Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Media Boat Podcast, where we're going to zip right through today's episode, because we got to talk about thoughts in movies, TV, music, and video games. Not necessarily in that order, but we have a lot to get through, so to speed things along, my name is Mike, and his name is Matt. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. Thank you for joining us. Today is February the 13th, 2024. I do not have the Chirons anymore uh, because that Logitech software was tied to the last computer. We'll get to that later. Uh, But hi, I'll try to figure out some sort of solution around that next time. Uh, But yeah, in the meantime, thank you for joining us. We'll get right to it by starting with the music section. And we start the music section with the billboard and start the billboard with the Hot 100. And the hottest song in the land is Lovin' On Me by Jack Harlow. It is. Coming in at two, Lose Control by Teddy Swims. At three, Beautiful Things by Benson Boone. Coming in at four is Cruel Summer by Taylor Swift. And rounding out your top five is Snooze by SZA. <laughs> uh, I want to say getting that granny bump there. Maybe. As for your Billboard 200, your albums chart, at number one is a sad one. No. 35 biggest hits by to- the late Toby Keith. Indeed. Uh, at number two, One Thing at a Time by Morgan Wallen. Coming in at three, SOS by SZA. There's your Grammy bump. <laughs> Coming in at four, American Dream by 21 Savage. And rounding at your top five, Midnights by Taylor Swift. There's your Grammy bump. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't like any of those albums, we have new releases. Albums. We'll get to new releases singles in a minute here. <laughs> uh, starting with Adult Contemporary by Chromio. Blue Wave by Granddaddy. <laughs> Tnach. <laughs> uh, T-N-A-G-K by Idols. I want to say that's Tnach. <laughs> uh, this is me. Dot, dot, dot. Now by Jennifer Lopez. The Dunk Queen herself. (laughs) We also have Hole in My Head by Laura Jane Grace. The Glorification of Sadness by Paloma Faith. And lastly, GRIP, (laughs) all caps, uh, by Serpent with Feet. So aggressive. It's in all caps. (laughs) You gotta be aggressive when it says all caps. So aggressive. All right, so those were your new releases. That was your billboard. So let's get into the music second, and lots of stuff happened. Yes. Got all wrapped up for you in the music bits, including the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees. They are here for 2024. Yes. And we have a bunch of first-timers being nominated, and it's been a long time since any of these people were considered first-timers. So (laughs) we have uh, on the ballot this year, Cher... Yes, that chair. Mariah Carey. Yes, that Mariah Carey. Sinead O'Connor. Oasis. Peter Frampton. And 
the smooth operator herself, Sade. <laughs> Sade. Sade. Uh, I think these make sense, um, especially um, it seems crazy that Cher is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Regardless of her pop years, she, you know, in the 60s was part of the original group of uh, rock bands that came out. Like Sonny and Cher made a huge impact in the early days of rock. So it's kind of cool to see her finally make it. Um, other choices, I think, are a little bit more controversial. I know people, you know, go back and forth about do more pop acts belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? You even have one of the members of Oasis himself, Liam Gallagher, saying, fuck that, I don't want part of it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I saw that quote, yeah. I saw that Interesting headline. group of people, though. I think, it make, I think you can make an argument for any of them. I think it's weird, um, because I think of all, all of these artists, I think Sade and Oasis would have the quote-unquote most recent albums <laughs> to be nominated. <laughs> Yeah. Also, a posthumous honor for Sinead O'Connor would be fitting, I think. Yes. Uh, again, this is nominated, not inducted. Right. They're not in it, yeah. They're just on the list. They are they have a shot. That they're, they're good choices, uh, I think. Yeah, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame will, of course, occur later this year in October. Yes. So we have eight months for them to jockey their positions. <laughs> Or you could spend those eight months watching Disney Plus because <laughs> we all saw it coming. The deal has been made. Taylor Swift, the heiress tour, Taylor's version, is coming to Disney Plus after a $75 million deal. Yes. And to be fair, Disney Plus overpaid by about $74 <laughs> million and $80. <laughs> Possibly. Um, so yeah, the interesting thing about this is not only did it land on Disney Plus, which is what we here at the Media Vote Podcast assumed was going to happen, mm -hmm. but also it's an extended version. She's calling it aptly Taylor's version of the Where's concert, and basically it can includes every song included in the tour proper. So two of the missing songs, including I think uh, Cardigan and I uh, the. Uh... The I shot my the dad one. The oh, one nobody with, um, no crime. Nobody no cry. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, the, so those two are added back into the show, uh, and also this would include the uh songs that were cut the, for the theatrical release as well. Right. The acoustic set was extended. In the so show. yeah. Uh. Needless to say, this is what I will be doing the night of March fifteenth. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yep. I mean, online, you saw people saying, oh, I'm glad I waited. I'm glad yeah. I didn't pay that $20. $20. But hey, it's coming. Disney yeah. Plus, $70 million deal. Technically, they could have also, they could have used that $70 million to buy uh, Coyote versus Acme. Well, that's not happening anymore now. Oh, Zoslav. We don't have time, unfortunately, for that story today. No, that's not even on our docket today because no. that's where it's getting its drop. Yeah. So let's move on then to more depressing news because Russell Simmons, yes, that Russell Simmons, yes, is sued for alleged sexual assault of former Def Jam producer in the nineties. Yeah, um, we'll see how this case goes, but it's just another example of you know abuse of power in the music industry um, in the past, and no surprises here. 
Uh, we don't have really time to get into it, but even if we did, I feel like there's not really much to say anymore. We've gotten to the point where almost every one of these men that were in power have these allegations from that time. And it just goes to show you that the structure of power was uh, like created abusive scenarios. It created this. And uh, yeah, it sucks. It does suck. Um, Def Jam. No, that's not the one that's Snoop Dogg. No, that's uh, Def Row. De that's Death Row. Death yeah, Row. Two different things. Two different things. They were competing at the time in the 90s. Yes. Easy to get confused. All right. <laughs> Any other music bits before we get to the big bits? I think that's just these two. All right. So last week we talked about the Grammys. Oh, and, and, and real quick, we'll talk about Usher in the TV section. So yes. in case you think Usher we're forgetting about it, we did not forget. No. <laughs> um, so the Grammys happened last Sunday. We talked about that last Sunday. We talked about Taylor Swift announcing her album. Yes. And then we went on Merry Ways thinking, okay, new music. We have everything that's set up for the year. And then two days later, we did not because... Yeah. Huge announcements happened on both Thursday and then Sunday. Which one do you want to go with first? Uh, well, let's go in chronological order. So first, we talked last week about how Casey Musgraves uh, teased some new music um, during the Grammys. Well, since then, uh, she's hey. confirmed a new album is coming out. Uh, she's confirmed a release date, which I'm forgetting right now. I want to say it's... March... Uh, March 30th. It's 30th? the week after. It's the end of March. Or it's and... not the 30th, but it's like right. that time. March either 15th or 22nd. I forget which one of those. Something like that. Yeah. Um. So again, confirmed that it will be titled Deeper Well, which is also the name of the new single she released Um. just a couple of days later. So uh, yeah, we now have a new Casey Musgrave single. Yeah. So Deeper Well is out. We've listened to it. And then we listened to it again. <laughs> and then we listened to it again. And then we told other people to listen to it. Okay. Sounds um, like uh, you had a slightly different reaction uh, to mine. <laughs> oh, really? Did you not like Deeper Well? Uh, here's my thought, and I'll keep it brief. Uh, is I appreciate the the uh, the production on it. I think it sounds really good. I mean, Casey's been very production-minded the last two records. But lyrically and lengthwise, I think it falls into a lot of the traps that a lot of the songs on Starcross did for me, which is kind of vibes first, content second. Um, I feel like she can't, I don't know why she refuses to write choruses anymore. Also, I think the hook here sounds a little too much like that. Um, I don't forget, I forget the name of the song, but the Philip Phillips thing where it's like, and then to make myself something my home, home. Or whatever that song yeah, is. Yeah, I think it's just called Home by Phil Phillips. Home? Yeah. I feel like there's a it's the, the hook in this song is a note away from being Philip Phillips home, and it's distracting as hell to me. Second, <laughs> I think the lyrics are just a little too straightforward to me. I feel like what made one of the things that made Golden Hour really work is its breadth, is it felt broad, it felt big. The songs in there felt universal. I think the thing with Starcross and this song for me, too specific. It's too specific. They're too literal. I want a little bit of vagueness from, from Casey, and this did not give me that. I'm holding out that the rest of the record is not that liberal. 
is that so that's kind of that's kind of my feel about it. I've listened to it about three or four times now, and I still just not doing it for me. That's interesting because I had the opposite take to where I put this thing on repeat for at least an hour. Um, I felt that this was the turning point for Casey Musgraves. That is her coming out of star crossed. This is her shedding the weight, the baggage that came with it. The, um, the, The like like the big heavy cloud that hung overhead because of Golden Hour going into Star Crossed. That this was her saying, I've was in myself too much. I tried to chase something that wasn't there. And now that I'm breaking free, this is me coming out of essentially the late 20s that she was into her 30s now of that was fun, but now I know who I am and more of like who I want to be now. Sure. Oh, don't get me wrong. I appreciate I appreciate the sentiment of it. I think that it's a really cool, like a good lesson to have learned. You know, we've all been there, especially since we're pretty much exactly Casey's age. So we, we are Casey's age. I want to say I am exactly Casey's. Age. Yeah. So it's Just like like me and Taylor Swift. Yeah. Casey Musgraves is also born in 1989. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I get I get it. And, and Bronx and Travis Kelsey. <laughs> just, yes, I just yes. I'm gonna throw all those in there. You San Francisco 89ers, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> no, not the San Francisco's. Anyway, no. um yeah, no, I appreciate the sentiment. I get where she's coming from. I just I'm I'm looking for, I guess, a magic. I'm looking for that extra layer of I don't know, there's just there's something missing that was there with Golden Hour for me, and I'm chasing it. I guess is what I'll say. Well, Casey Westgrave was also chasing that high <laughs> in deeper well, and you heard how she took care of that. Oh. But not to be outdone. Oh, no. I mean, that is definitely, this is definitely to be outdone. Yeah, to be outdone. The other side of the uh, Super Bowl yes. commercial dropped, which everyone, <laughs> oh, sorry. The other half of the rumor from the previous Sunday at the Grammys right. dropped when Beyonce showed up in her cowboy getup and everyone freaked out and started the rumors of, oh my God, it's a country album. Yes. And we had the Super Bowl commercial thanks to Verizon. <laughs> I don't think it broke Verizon. Spoilers. No. No. But what it did do was send everyone to a frenzy. <laughs> yeah, uh, it definitely did it to us. Uh, Christy and I kind of went straight to the phones and checked everything for like the next 10 minutes. Didn't find anything. She goes to the grocery store to pick up some pasta, comes back. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, oh, now I see something. Something happened. So yeah, uh, Beyonce kind of used that as an opportunity to actually uh, announce music. It wasn't just a joke on the Verizon ad. Um, and yeah, she announced a second, uh, like a follow-up album to renaissance from 2022 um this just being referred to so far as act two that will be released on march 29th and then she additionally on top of that released um two singles that will supposedly appear on this act two um uh texas hold'em and 16 carriages yes uh which we also uh both listened to i understand uh what was your reaction to beyonce uh, which one do you want to talk about first? Texas Hold'em or 16 <laughs> Carriages? Um, 
Texas Hold'em. It's Texas Hold'em because it's the bopper of the two. It's so catchy. It's like the catchiest. That thing is going to be blasted at every country concert. It's the new Old Town Road, but like better. Well, yeah, because we listened to Old Town Road after we listened to this because of the mono genre. It is. Man. Yeah, it's a bop. It's got the hook. It's got the class to it. It's got everything that you're, I think that you're looking for. It's all the country tropes. In the country tropes, yeah. To be honest, when I first heard it, I thought she was making fun of country. (laughs) But then I heard, then I started paying more attention and realized she's actually making a whole album. Yeah. But it's still really good. Yeah, it's just, it's a catchy bop. I think compared to Texas Hold'em to Deeper Well, I think Texas Hold'em is the better song. Yeah. Those are very apples to oranges, though. Yeah, but okay. So it's like Deeper Well is 16 Carriages more apt because then 16 Carriages is still the better song than Deeper Well. 100%. I think Deeper Well is a starting point of whatever that album has going for it, though. I don't think you can... I don't think you're justified Eh. in tearing it down before you see how it fits in with the rest of the album. Right, but now we're talking to move on to 16 Carriages, which you heard. I know, because they're both, because Texas Hold'em, compared to Casey (laughs) Musgraves, is more like Velvet Elvis. It's the hop, it's the pop. It's the, I want to get up in the roof. Deeper Well isn't Velvet Elvis. No, I don't even well need to be there. You're just... be here. You guys can do the podcast. Sixteen Carriages <laughs> has some depth to it too. I, uh, see, I thought you'd like Sixteen Carriages more. <laughs> I, I need to listen to it more. I've listened to Texas Hold'em like a hundred times already. Yes, <laughs> I have not with the other one, but I'm curious to see where she goes with it, just because. It's definitely a fresh take, and Beyonce has such a good voice. And I'm I'm curious to see if she brings like the gospel element in because some of the harmonies are very gospely. Yeah, that's my hot take. Yeah, uh, compared to the two, I mean, Texas Hold'em is probably gonna get the more radio play between the two. Sixteen Carriages has some depth to it. Yeah. I think what I'll say is my my I first of all I liked both of the songs. I like is not doesn't even feel like good enough. Uh they're really <laughs> good. Um of course, you know, it's interesting I think uh well Kristen actually brought this up. Um it's interesting how she kind of still sounds like Beyonce and brings a lot of the flavor of her R&B roots into the country production. I think they're very good country songs, but the fact that you can they still read as Beyonce performances is a really impressive thing to do. And it just, it proves that this is not just a genre experiment for her. This is something she's passionate about and something she's bringing her talent to. And I was talking to to Christy about this. The first thing that hit me, the fact that she's naming this Act Two, implying this is Act Two of Renaissance, kind of gives new meaning to the name Renaissance. Like I think upon the release of that first record, it was very easy to just assume like, oh, well, it's because she's like, you know, it's her like reboot of sorts. It's like she's saying like I could do dance music now. Now I think the read is oh no, she means like Renaissance woman. She wants to prove that she can do everything. Like 
she did a pop record uh, like she's done the pop record she's done the r&b records now she says well i can do a dance record i'm gonna do research and kind of explore dance music throughout the decades and the origins of it and like really talk about a mastery of sorts of this genre now she's doing the same thing but with country and i think that's why why she does both of these singles at the same time she says i can show you honky tonk line dancing music with texas hold'em but and then i can go into country balladry with 16 carriages and the storytelling element of it and so she's proving already with just two songs that she's going to explore every nook and cranny of the genre and i'm really excited to see what else is on this record have you seen the rumor that act three is going to then be a rock record <laughs> i think that's a lot of wishful thinking uh obviously i would love to see that uh but we're getting ahead of ourselves oh yeah no we gotta wait for Act yeah. two to come out first right so yeah um i think it's an interesting it's already setting up to be an interesting couple of months in music because within two months we have casey taylor beyonce and ariana, ariana back to back to back to back which is insane like and then add, on top of that, Dua Lipa has an album coming out. Lady Gaga is supposed to have an album coming out as well. It's, it's going to be a packed year. Yeah, it's it's stacked. So yeah, no, needless to say, I love both of these songs. Um, oh, I, and then Post Malone's supposed to have a country album at some point too? Yeah, that's the thing. Is Post Malone also looks like he's about to pivot. Um, and, um, and we don't even know what Taylor's record is going to sound like. Oh, that's right. Also, Lana Del Rey is, has a country album announced. Mm-hmm. Something is in the water, folks. And it's yeehaw. Matt, you're you're five years ahead of the curve, but the mono genre has finally come. <laughs> I mean, it was always here. It's just been sleeping. <laughs> we woke it up. All right, let's let's move on because we gotta. Yes, we have a lot more to talk about. So let's get into video games. Yes. Where we start with new releases. Indeed. Including The Legends of Heroes, Colin. Trails of Cold Steel 3 and Legends of Heroes colon Trails of Cold Steel IV or 4. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that, coming that. for the PS5. Uh, there's also Mario versus Donkey Kong for the Nintendo Switch. This is a remake of the Game Boy Advance game that was released in, I want to say, about 03, 04-ish uh, for the Switch. We also have Played Up for the PS4, PS5, Xbox Series X, and the Switch. Uh, Small Land, colon, Survive the Wilds for the PS5 and Xbox Series X. Spirit Hunter, colon, Death Mark 2 for the PC, PS5, and the Switch. Your big release, RZ, colon, The Jewel of Theramore for everything. Theramore. Theramore. But Theramore. It's out for everything. You got it. You can play it. Also out everywhere, Tomb Raider numbers one, two, and three remastered. You got it. You can play it. Uh, there's also uh, Solium Infernum for the PC. I think I said that right. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, Banishers, colon, Ghosts of New Eden for the PC, Xbox Series X, and PS5. Dragon Quest Builders for the PC. Ultros for the PC, 
PS4 and PS5. Lisfunga, colon, the Time Shift Warrior for the PC. And coming to a sunken ship near you from Ubisoft. <laughs> it's finally out, folks. Assassin's Creed no. 4 no. Black Flag no. Ship Edition. No. No? no. Okay. Skull and Bones. Yes. For the what PS5, year is it? Xbox Series X, and PC. It finally did it. We thought we could, it couldn't be done, but Skull of Bones is a real game that is coming out this week. It's finally here, folks. Finally. All right. Let's get into some video game news, and let's yes. put our money where our mouth is. Boom. Yes. Stacks were dropped this week as the Walt Disney Company, after making the Taylor Swift purchase for $75 million, decided they were not done spending as they made a $1.5 billion investment to acquire an equity stake in Epic Games. Uh, it said on Wednesday that the two companies are also partnering to create, quote, all new games and entertainment universe, end quote, connected to Fortnite. <laughs> um, uh, Disney went on and said, quote, in addition to being a world-class games experience and interpolating with Fortnite, the new Persistent Universe will offer a multitude of opportunities for consumers to play, watch, shop, and engage with content, characters, and stories from Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, Avatar, and more. Close quote. Um, I'm not even going to touch on whatever that voice was supposed to be. <laughs> what I will say is, uh, my brief take on this is, this is what they did instead of buying a studio. Remember, like six months ago, we did a story where it seemed like all points pointed that Disney was saving up money to saving our money who am i kidding was setting aside money yes. um, to buy a studio and everybody thought oh they're gonna buy ea and just say cool tie this up we never have to make a video game ourselves we have a video game studio under our belt well especially I, since they did yeah. speedstorm not speedstorm what's the other one um the other racing game prior to speedstorm with right. ea so but i think what they ended up doing is i think after months of meetings they ultimately decided well where are the where are, is the demographic? Where are they? Why make new games ourselves with the studio that we buy to create a market where there isn't one when we could instead invest in a company that has a built-in market, a built-in audience, and go where the demographic is already? And so instead of spending 1.5 billion, which easily built building, 1.5 billion dollars. For a studio, because that more or less what it would have cost to buy a studio. Mm -hmm. Why not just put it into a company that can do the work for us and has a built-in audience already? Boom. Done. Epic. Fortnite. It makes sense. Plus, this follows in what Epic's already been doing with Fortnite, right? They just built the Lego world. They have the Fortnite festival. And they have the racing game. The next, the fourth or the fifth tier, I guess, on top of the Fortnite itself and those three games 
Disneyland. It makes perfect sense. And you can do anything in that world. You can have like a Lego style experience, a creative experience. You can have a uh, like a, a, a Disney uh, Dreamlight Valley type experience in that world. You could have racing games. You could have existing like you could do all sorts of genre things without having to spend the additional money making those individual games. And it plays right into Epic's plan to make it kind of the everything game. It's a perfect, if you're Disney, this is the perfect move to do. And I'm sure it is worth every single cent that they, they paid. I mean, it also finally pays off the tie-in that they did with Avengers Endgame and having Fortnite in their Marvel property. Right. Um, it's going to be interesting to see the Mickey Mouse skin running around and shooting Donald Duck in the face. But hey, <laughs> but that's we'll the see thing. if that actually happens. But that's the thing, that won't happen because... What Epic already did the work to make the sure that doesn't happen. They've separated items now that can only be used in cer certain modes. I would not be surprised if this changes the way that Fortnite launches, like when you physically launch it. When now it's going to be, do you want to go to Disney World or do you want to go to Fortnite? <laughs> That's <laughs> Disney is going to make sure that's the case because they don't want a five-year-old to stumble upon Battle Royale. They want that five-year-old funneled right into Disney. They want that person, that five-year-old, to go straight to where can I play with Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse and where can I go to see where Mo Moana is hanging out. Didn't we already do this with uh, Ralph, Wreck-It Ralph Breaks the Internet and <laughs> Oh My Disney? I mean, kind of, but this is just is more, this is like the modern version of that. They found where the fans are. The fans are playing Fortnite. And if they haven't, they're going to get those people too because this is going to bring them in. This is a way to get Fortnite to be even more the biggest thing like it's become it's gonna explode <laughs> like this is i don't know i just don't understand a downside for anybody for this it seems like this is a great idea for disney to do the downside is when epic can't reproduce the 1.5 billion into a five billion dollar company <laughs> in two years time oh, and disney's going what the hell what happened yeah. to our investment what'd you do with it and then they're out. I mean, but that is probably like where the only downside I can see is that they don't make an ROI immediately within two to three years. I mean, I find that hard to believe, but yeah, we could be there in five years, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Ultimately, I think right now it made the it makes perfect business decision, a big business sense for them to do this. All right, you need to remind me. Did Epic have any of the mass layoffs? Because they only rehired a bunch of people. Yes, they 100% did. Well, guess who's looking to rehire? <laughs> you know, you know. Anyway, we don't have time to get into that either. But but yeah, I, I think it's interesting. What do you think as a big fan of Kingdom Hearts? What do you think that that could offer? <laughs> uh, I think they're still going to keep it separate, though. Yeah, well. Disney doesn't like integrating Kingdom Hearts into any of its properties. That's true. That is true. All right. One last bit of news I want to just really briefly mention. Follow-up from last week's discussion about Microsoft and Xbox's future plans. We will know on Thursday they have confirmed that a podcast, but don't worry, it's a video podcast, so you'll be able to watch it the same way that you would a proper announcement video. At two times uh, speed. Yes, we'll, <laughs> we'll take place on this Thursday, which is the 15th at 12 p.m. Pacific 
that is when uh, what they're using to announce their future plans, which as of today, The Verge ran a story pretty much confirming this will be multi-platform. Um, um, what was the game? Um, that's Hi-Fi Rush. Hi-Fi Rush. And it seems like now they're saying Pentiment is yeah. the other game as part of this deal. And then maybe Sea of Thieves. And then more to come down the as the year goes on. But we'll at least get confirmation that, yes, the rumors are true. These games will be released multi-platform. But for the rest of the details, we're going to have to wait till Thursday. You know, it's just a little see, little planting. Like, hey, here's the ones people are, like, pretty much guessed already. But yeah. we're going to save the big stuff for later. And if you want to see me talk about games that they should absolutely uh, put on multi multiple platforms. Uh, watch the video I put up on our on our YouTube page, um, where I rank. I do a tier ranking of all the Xbox Game Studios franchise. <laughs> did you end up watching that? I did not, but <laughs> I got other people to watch it. Surprisingly, <laughs> oh no, oh no. Without context, that's not going to make a whole lot of sense to me. <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah. So yeah, those I, uh, I, I extra dove into views the wild there. world of uh, YouTube uh, thumbnails for that. Uh, let's see. Last time I saw it was like at eight views. So yeah. Wait, where'd it go? How come I can't find it anymore? <laughs> it was too real. They had to take it down. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Let me just refresh here. There it is. <laughs> yeah, eight views. Yay. I'm really going up in the world. Anyways, um, but. You played yeah. a brand new video game on the PlayStation. Yes. Talked about it, that it got dropped th that Tuesday last week. Uh, Foam Stars. Yes, the... tell me about your foam party. I mean, yes. Foam Stars. Yes, Splatoon Foam Party. <laughs> oh, which, by the way, um, Splatoon 3 got announced. So that is now... You mean, thing. well, we, Splatoon 3 is a game that's already been out. You Are, are you talking about the, the DLC? Yeah, the DLC. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, that's yeah. I saw the video circling around. Right. I was like, oh. but we're not talking about Splatoon. We're talking about Foam Stars. Yes, Foam Stars, where you foam your opponents. Yeah, soap them real good up, and then you surf on them. Ugh. And yes, it's exactly as it sounds. It's very <laughs> light. It's very colorful. It's They're set fun. in a Las Vegas style city. Uh, slash arena where <laughs> two different boats you're either soaping up uh, your opponents and then trying to knock them out uh, team battle style oh. or you're trying to hop on a rubber duck and use it and use it as a tank uh, escort mission to the other team's base okay it's stupid silly fun it's okay but I don't think <laughs> it's for me no, I, I like the colorfulness. I like the movement of it, where you have to put your um, foam everywhere. Yes, you have to spray your foam everywhere, and then it you doesn't get any better. It. The more you say it, it says it's not getting better. You surf on your foam mm -hmm. uh, of your team's color, and it'll help you get like a one point five boost speed. Mm -hmm. Or you can walk around at a one speed. Or if you get stuck in your opponent's foam, you your speed drops to half speed. So don't get trapped in your opponent's foam. I always try not to. Stay on your foam. And then the goal is to foam up your opponents <laughs> into foam balls, and then you whack them 
with your surfboard, and then that's how they get out. So no one technically gets shot and dies here because it's home party. It's safe. It's friendly. It's family friendly. It's family friendly and Uh, bright and colorful. It's for the kids. So, yeah, it seems like it's just not your style of multiplayer shooter. No, I I didn't expect it to be going into it, but I thought there'd be some either unique or gimmick or hook that would kind of separate it out. And it is the bright colors. It is the um, the movement style. But yeah. That's about where the differences kind of end. Fair enough. So probably not going to return to Foam Stars. Uh, when I had the opportunity, I went back to uh, Wonderlands yeah. instead. Checks out. Um, I briefly played a game that released within the last few weeks, um, specifically a remake uh, that came out. Um, Persona Three Reload. Uh, this is the remake, remake, re-release of sorts uh, of Persona 3. I have never played a Persona game before, of course, over the years, because people just gush about that franchise, like it's the best RPG ever, and all the characters are lovable, and you get really invested in the story, blah, 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 blah. Well, I just never had a chance to really try one. Uh, But yeah, I jumped into the first hour and a half of Persona 3 Reload um, on Game Pass, because it's on Game Pass. Um, And... I think I get it. I think I get why people like it so much. I think that the story is really engaging. The aesthetics are really pretty. It really pops. The design work is just incredible. Um, The characters' designs look cool. Um, The world is very dark and, like, edgy. And, like, there's a lot of themes about, like, suicide and, you know, and, like, mental health and stuff. Uh, So just know that going in if that's something that you're not super comfortable exploring. Um, but as a game itself, it's kind of two halves. It's like, you're going to school and you're answering test questions and you're making social links with your friends. And then the other half is you're literally just going through a a dungeon and beating up, uh, monsters that you find and find treasure chests. And it's kind of this game of back and forth, trying to balance those two things. And they both like are, are connected where like the, the social links that you do in school, give you stat boosts in the dungeons, et cetera. And so, yeah, it's an interesting world. It's an interesting uh, mechanic, I think, to have those those two sides of the game be parallel to each other. But similar to you in Foam Stars, I just don't know it's for me. Um, the combat's interesting, but I don't know if it's enough of a hook to be like, hell yeah, I want to do a lot of fights in this game. Also, it's intimidating. Like the fact that I know this is going to be 40 to 60 hours of this, on top of the fact that the choices you make in the social links can be very make or break for the combat. I've heard people talk about how, oh, if you don't like make this certain amount of connections with your classmates, you don't unlock these very specific uh, personas, which is like this game's version of like magic attacks or like summons. Mm-hmm. Um, and you won't be prepared for the late game bosses if you don't do that stuff. And I'm like, that seems like a lot of pressure. And I don't know if I'm ready for that amount of pressure. <laughs> So I don't know if I'm going to return to Persona 3 Reload. I think it's interesting, and I'm glad that I at least dipped my toe in a franchise I had not had a whole lot of experience in. And now I'm happy that I know what it is. I just don't know if what it is is for me. Yeah, the only Persona game that I've played is Persona 5, the one with Joker. And I got through the opening of it, and then I was like, okay. Like, as soon as I got to the school part, I was like, 
I'm I haven't played this game in like three days and I already don't forgot what I was doing. Yeah, they're slow burns from what I understand. You have to get like 10 hours into these games for them to really <laughs> start and you get into the meat of them. And yes, exactly. no. That reaction is what a lot of people have. But I've also heard the same people say that about the Yakuza games and people love those too. And yeah, if, if you know, Infinite Wealth was on Game Pass as well, I would have absolutely tried it too because it's another franchise I've heard so much about that I'm like, I should at least know. Um, but... You know, sometimes they just don't click, and that's okay. I think you don't have to like everything. Sometimes it just feels like homework. A little bit. In this case, literal homework. Yes. Um, But but the you... other thing I'll mention real briefly, yes, is what you were Yes, going to is segue how'd you play into. all this game? I uh, played this on a computer, uh, and not the computer that crashed on me last week that I was complaining about. Uh, no, I uh, dropped an obscene amount of money. And I mean obscene. Um, yes, I'm not even going to tell you what the dollar amount was, because I think you'd be very disappointed in me, um, for not using it for other purposes. Um, uh, but yeah, on a, uh, literally, like, top-of-the-line computer. So, I have that now. How do you feel? Uh, it, yeah, it's pretty great. I don't have to worry about anything now. It literally has, I want to say, like five. times more ram than my old computer did um if not more than that it's uh, the graphics card is like i said the best one you can buy on the market right now <laughs> it's a 4090 i'll just say it It's okay. um so yeah i can play literally anything that i want uh now Hopefully you'll be playing more than me. that's the kind of the idea is it'll also get me back into streaming although i don't really have anything to stream because that's the thing is since i dropped all that money i'm like not super excited to go spend 60 to 70 dollars on a brand new video game right now so i'm kind of waiting for things to come out via game pass And that's why Game Pass exists. Yeah. or i'm hoping that like hey my birthday's coming up like hey steam gift cards now like might be the thing Hey, uh, <laughs> Power World is still out there, right? oh god i don't want to go back <laughs> to that though um uh, but yeah but yeah, it's apparently also gonna you help and like two two million other users. yeah But the other cool thing is, is I can do crazy videos <laughs> now because I can actually handle recording HD video now, which is a thing Yay. I was struggling to do at my last computer. And also, I come in way in a higher quality in this Zoom call than I did before, I think because of the upgrade. Like, I think it's going to make little tiny things a lot easier, which is really why I did it. Is It's not going to crash on me. It's reliable and I'm set for five years. And so I think that was the real reason. It's an investment to me. It's not just a fancy thing that lets me play, you know, Helldivers 2 or something if I really wanted to. Like, I view it more as this just keeps the creative stuff running. Because I feel like one of my goals in 2024 is to do stuff for the website. And this just makes that better. So the pipeline is not going to close. Even though I start my full-time job on Thursday, this is not going to change. I'm going to continue hopefully making more content. For you guys who listen to the show and try to expand this, just like you've been evangelizing our web our website and our podcast, I'm going to try to do my part too. Uh, Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, evangelizing is a nicer way of what I've been doing. <laughs> uh, shilling it. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, regardless. All right, but that's what that's what I'll say. So yeah, look forward to more game streams, more game content coming. Hopefully, uh, thanks to the power of this new computer. So look forward to Yes, it. you have the power. Too strong. Oh yeah, and I also now if somebody wants a rig that uh has a 2080 that uh, super on in it and still plays games pretty decent but crashes 
once a day. Um, I have this, and I'm literally not doing anything with it. So please hit me up. Okay. Like I don't know, five hundred bucks. Like seriously, I'm not. I don't expect a whole lot out of it. <laughs> anyway. I mean, hey, that's cheaper than a rog. But... It's cheaper than a rog. Anyways, all right, let's move on. But hey, let's move on then out of video games and into television. Yes, and we start the television section as always with the sports corner. Of course, we don't need to tell you, but the big event this week in sports was the Super Bowl. And so we'll start with the league headlines with the NFL. Your awards As for the Super Bowl. These happened on Thursday leading up to the Super Bowl. Yes, uh, before we get to the Super Bowl, you're right. We have to talk about some awards that were given out, including your league MVP for the season, Lamar Jackson, quarterback for the Ravens. Any thoughts Ooh. about his win here? Um, he bet on himself and he won. Uh, there was <laughs> he was part of the big uh, yes. one of the big holdouts this past off season, and before he started, went up to the Ravens and said, "If you pay me, I will give you my all." And this is basically the reward. I mean, it's not the reward of the Super Bowl that, that I'm sure they would have liked, uh, having been stopped in the AFC Championship game. But hey. Of regular season NFL MVP, he now has two. Um, he is now one of multiple MVP awards. The uh, mm-hmm. uh, currently in the league, the other one being Mister Dark himself, Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> who I think is still in the league. Yep. You know, if you play three plays, I think that still counts as you being in the league for a season. <laughs> uh, but yeah, congratulations, Lamar Jackson. You bet on yourself and. You paid out. You won. Turns out. Now you just got to get the uh, the ring to go with it. <laughs> yeah, working on that one still. Yep. Meanwhile, the other rewards included Offensive Player of the Year, which was given to Christian McCaffrey, who we saw do his Offensive Player of the Year stuff in the Super Bowl, which we'll get to. Yeah, including fumbling the ball. <laughs> yeah, well, let's not talk about that part. Um Defensive player of the year was Miles Garrett, a defensive end for the Browns. Then... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it should have been Max Crosby, but hey, that's just me. <laughs> we also had the Walter Payton Man of the Year, which was given to Cameron Hayward um, of the Steelers. Yep, big Cam Hayward of Hayward's Houses. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, you're going to have to help me on this acronym here. Uh, the rookie, rookie. Thank you, rookie player of the year. Rookie uh, offensive player of the rookie year. Rookie offensive player of the year. C.J. Stroud of the Texans. Uh, and then yep. shouldn't have been that should have been Puka's award. <laughs> should have gone to Puka. He had both the receptions uh, and the yards. You know, great nfl receiving receiving yards and you give it to the quarterback because it's quarterback award you know screw you guys then um you also have the rookie defensive player of the year will anderson jr also of the texans yeah they actually did this last year where both the rookie offensive rookie defenses went to the same team last year it was the jets who won both the the offensive defense this year it's the texans who won both the offense and defense then you have, um, I'm assuming this is coach, coach of the year, yes. uh, Kevin 
Stefanski of the Browns. That's correct. It's Kevin Stefanski. Stefanski. Of the Browns. And you'll notice that both Coach of the Year and, uh, what is it, Defensive Player of the Year are from the Browns, mm-hmm. as well as this next award. Yes. Uh, CP, who would that be? The Comeback Player of the Year. Oh, Comeback Player of the Year. I don't know how you assumed that I knew what these were going to be. Uh, well, Joe Flacco is old and decrepit, and he came back for the quarterback <laughs> as the Browns. I mean, just in general, the the, the acronyms. Uh, but yes. yeah, Joe, <laughs> Joe Flacco, yes, of the Browns. Uh, sure, why not? So yeah, Browns got three awards on the night, and the Texans got two awards on the night. But then, of course, you had to award the old fogies, too, in the Hall of Fame class of 2024, where we had Dwight Freeney, Devin Hester, Andre Johnson, Julius Peppers, Patrick Willis, Randy Gratishar, Steve McMichael, and that's it. End of list. Yes. <laughs> there's going to be one uh, more. Oh, you're looking for the and. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Dwight Freeney with his patented spin move. Devastating. Uh, Devin Hester, the, like, greatest return man ever finally in the hall of fame should have been in it last year as a first balloter but hey got in the second time around andre johnson also of the texans formerly of the texans um giant andre the giant johnson receiver just a beast mm-hmm. player uh julius peppers and patrick willis beasts in the defensive side and then your elderly senior um class hall of fame with randy gratishar and steve michaels Okay, so fitting, uh, fitting uh, all these. You think these are well? Uh, these make sense. Uh, yes. Uh, no bad picks here. Okay. Then again, there's going to be a while where there's no bad picks because they only pick like, <laughs> five or six people at a time. Yeah, and like ten people who deserve it all retire at the same time. True. Speaking of, yes. Next year's class has a bunch of first-time ballot Hall of Famers as well. So, of these names, I'm going to throw at you, which I'm sure you have heard of, probably. Who among them will be first time, like, for sure, Hall of Fame ballots? All right. Quarterback, Ellie Manning. Probably, yeah. Linebacker, Luke Keekley. Maybe. Uh, Running back, Marshawn Lynch. Uh, Probably. Linebacker, Terrell Suggs. Maybe. Running back, Darren Sproles. Maybe. <laughs> Cornerback, Akeem Talib. Okay, maybe. Wide receiver, Demarius Thomas. Maybe. Linebacker, Clay Matthews. Probably. Uh, and center, Ryan Khalil. Okay, maybe. Those are your first time ballot nominees coming up for the 2025 season of them Eli Manning has two Super Bowls with the Giants so it's a pretty good argument he also beat Tom Brady twice in the Super Bowl so something Something and then you have Marshawn Lynch with Beast Quake and the Seahawks Super Bowl Terrell Suggs with Defensive Player of the Year <laughs> awards and the Super Bowl wins with the Ravens. Yeah, but lots of won't, good. Pl- 
yeah, we won't, of course, go know that until next year. So who actually yeah. makes it? Uh, I mean, I want to say Eli Manning should not be a first-time ballot Hall of Famer, just so Peyton has at least something on his brother. Wow. <laughs> nah. He doesn't get to have this one. <laughs> no. <laughs> but anyway, this is all to say that it was a big week for football because all of that happened, and then also the Super Bowl was on Sunday. Let's just oh, yeah. cram. You mean the Usher concert. <laughs> yeah, so let's just cram our thoughts about the Super Bowl in right now. So let's let's divide okay. this up. We okay, divide we'll divide it up. I can sum it in one word. Okay. Three categories. It comes here. So from first category is the game. Then second category, the commercials, and then third category, the halftime show. So let's start with the game. What did you think about the game? I'm going to reference back to the uh, top five albums from uh, the Billboard 200. Okay. And this was a smooth <laughs> by Scissor. I mean, yes, it, it it was the thing that everybody knew was going to happen, which was it was it was going to start very 49ers heavy. It was going to be a struggle to watch the Chiefs get their, you know, get them going because it always takes a while. Then they were going to come back from the second half. And of course, the thing that you're not supposed to do against Patrick Mahomes is give him the ball with more than like four minutes left. Yeah. <laughs> How do they not know? I've only watched one football game every season for the last five years of my life. And I even know you're not supposed to do that. I even yeah. know that. Yeah. And they did Once it. Patrick again. Mahomes has the ball. Within the fourth quarter, he's yeah. gonna go down, he's gonna drive they the ball, he's gonna score. They can't, no one's figured out how to stop him. No one. Well, what happens is that they stop blitzing them. Yeah, they play, they drop back, they play prevent defenses, got no, no big plays behind them, but he just gladly take the five, seven, ten yard chunks and just march down the field. Yeah, so I'm with you. I thought it was pretty boring the first half. And then the second half, interesting things starts happening, but it's all Chiefs. And then you're just like, all right, this is going to happen again, isn't it? And it totally yep. just went by the script. Yeah, There like, was a tweet that I saw that said, oh, it looks like Kansas City had a 17-hour flight from Japan <laughs> to start like the game. <laughs> yeah, honestly. So, yeah, the game, what we expected, no real surprises. At least there were some entertaining moments. At least we got to see Mahomes throw a pick in the Super Bowl. That was interesting, at least. Yeah, he, he doesn't throw picks that often in the playoffs. Uh, but except he's only, what, I think they said third on that list. But now he starts over at the bottom yeah. because <laughs> of it. But, um, I mean, it's interesting, though, now there's a really realistic uh, idea that they could go for a third, which is not something that's ever happened in the Super Bowl. Do you think they can do it? Actually, they should have done it this year. <laughs> yeah, well, but it didn't happen. So what I'm saying yes. is, is that now they actually have the chance next year. Do they do you think they pull it out? I don't think so, just because everyone's gunning for them. They yeah. have the target on the back. As, as the target on the back Kelsey this year. said himself. Yeah, they had the target on their back this year, and everyone took their shot. And at some point or another, they everyone got in their own way by making dumb mistakes towards the end of each game to allow the Chiefs to win. Even in the Super Bowl, 
Yeah. The 49ers had <laughs> a bunch of mistakes happen to them at the end of the game that allowed them to lose. Yeah. It was never like, oh, Mahomes did a great play. It was never, oh, the Chiefs are just dominating this game. No, it it was always, oh, the opponent, the opponent team throughout the entire playoffs, the opponent team did something stupid, committed <laughs> egregious errors, penalties, did not capitalize, did not score, fumbled, whatever. Basically, always shot themselves in the foot to allow the Chiefs to hang around for the entire game and ultimately steal a win by the end. Yeah. So you gotta tighten up. You gotta not make mistakes. You gotta have respect for your head coach, Travis <laughs> Kelsey. <laughs> exactly. Yes. You Charlie Brown out there to show these guys. Uh anyways. <laughs> um okay. Anything else to say about the game itself before we move into the categories two and three? Uh, yeah. Um, Travis Kelsey was just giving Andy Reid a giant <laughs> hug and earful of yeah, sure. how much he loves the game. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, no, he definitely wasn't saying you're embarrassing me in front of my billionaire girlfriend. No. No, he definitely didn't he say, how dare you fucking take me out? Don't you ever take me out again? <laughs> yeah, maybe. There's no way he ran up to him and said, I will give you nuggies if you keep me in the game. <laughs> nuggies. All right, let's move on um, to the next section, which is the commercials. And all I'll have to say is is two words, Michael Sarah, because that's the yeah. only commercial I remember. It's the only commercial that, that I've seen repeated that I was like, ah, that's fun. Yeah, the, uh, the other Michael one would Sarah be the State that. Farm Arnold commercial. Yeah, it's all right. But I also feel right. like that that's something that could have been created five years ago as well. Yeah, 10 honestly. Years ago. The Beyonce thing, also fun. And it was cool to see her in like silly mode, which is because we yeah. haven't seen her in that mode in such a long time. And so it was kind of fun. Like, oh, yeah, she she used to do stuff like this. It was kind of a nice brush. She used to be air. in movies. She used to yeah. act. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that was cool to see. But other than that, man, do I hate that they're trying to make Temu happen. No, it's not Temu. It's Timu. They're, they Do not call, call it, it Temu, Temu in the ad. I don't care what they say it is. <laughs> I just hate it because, please, for the love of God, anyone listening to this or watching this, don't order anything from Temu. <laughs> it's ripoff. You shouldn't. No. Do it. Uh, I mean, everything in the ad that they had for that was like, oh, it's either a dollar or ten dollars or six dollars yeah. or ten dollars you know, or one dollar. You, know, you know how they can afford to uh, charge those prices? Is because the stuff is shitty. Don't buy it. <laughs> Dollar store stuff. Worse than that. Dollar stores at least have like, you know, decent stuff in there. This is not decent. Anyways. Uh the other funny commercial would be the uh Christopher Walken. Yeah. It's not an imitation BMW oh, I... commercial. Yeah, that that one had a fun message. That one, but that one oh fun. man, did that Squarespace commercial just completely Ugh. missed the mark it was at a bad place in the game too because i feel like christy and i were barely paying attention for it we may have been searching for beyonce um <laughs> but yeah no it, it was just they made such a big deal about oh directed by martin scorsese you can't you can't tell no you can't <laughs> like, what but, happened yeah. but the best commercial the best 
pre-show commercial yes. uh, belongs to YouTube TV and Google with the migration of uh, the NFL teams yes. flying for uh, flying birds. away. Yes, I also like teams, that one. Yeah. The bird gauntlet. Yes, that was fun. That was fun. And then right. it drops the uh, the little football. Like, oh, a rookie. <laughs> that, yeah, that was cute. That was a good one. Okay, third category, Ursher. Um, pass. <laughs> you didn't like it. I like the one. I like last year's performance more. I Rihanna also, set yeah. the bar way too high. I think I also preferred Rihanna. I think Usher did though what he was expected to do, which is he sang the hits, as you like to say. Mm-hmm. Um, the spectacle of it was a little wonky for me. It felt like really over, like like there was too much stuff happening, and we and there was too many going from one place to another. It felt really disconnected to me. I do have to say though, cool to see Alicia Keys. However, too many uh too many uh little too personal touches coming from Usher for mm-hmm. my. Uh, sensibility. Um, I was like, come on, Usher. You both are married. Um, and no, no. Was... Usher wasn't married yet. That happened after the Fair halftime enough. show. <laughs> All right, whatever. Anyway, um, it just, yeah, vibes were a little weird there. Um, I thought he did a good job for what it was. I think he was he was paid to be Usher and he was Usher. He was the most Usher Usher has ever been. I will give uh, him Yes, that. he had his own, like, Throwback to Michael Jackson, as he always does. He took off his shirt, as he always does. He showed off his ab, like he always does. Uh, Got on roller skates, like he does. You know, he sang the hits. He brought out Lil John, (laughs) and it was was ludicrous. Yeah, Ludacris was there with a fro again. Yeah, I think that's the most exciting thing for me is that Ludacris has a fro again. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, and Um, like you said, Alicia Keys just belting one out. I mean. And her, only one out. <laughs> her showed up to do a guitar solo. No, no. Her showed up to allow Usher to do a costume change. That too. Both, both are both. That's can be true. all that was. Both can be true. Uh yeah. I thought it, it was, was fine. Latent. That was yeah. what was happening too. I thought it was fine. It, it's not going to be, you know, on my list list of like top five amazing Super Bowl halftime shows. But when you really consider the last twenty years of halftime shows, there aren't that many amazing ones to consider. Like Prince, Beyonce, Rihanna, The Weekend, The Weekend, the Dr. Dre one that where he brought yeah. out everybody upside down Fifty Cent. See that this one, yeah. See this one felt like a combination of the greatest hits since since uh, Jay Z took over, where you have um, the lights and the band and the big pompous from. The weekend, mm. you have the stage performers and everyone crowding from the Rihanna concert. You have all the um, special guests coming out from the Dr. Dre uh, concert. It just felt like, oh, like we take these bits and pieces that we already did, and we're going to put them together and like form this like halftime show Lego style that yeah, was from different pieces. But hey, it works yeah. for people of a certain age. I think so. Um, Yeah, I think it just felt a little disjointed, but otherwise, I think that Usher delivered on what he had to deliver. I don't know. It is what it is. Did he have any confessions? (laughs) No, No, surprisingly, he did not. Oh, Uh, no, it was no Usher concert for me. There was no confession. (laughs) Oh, yeah, take him to church. I need confessions. (laughs) Exactly. 
let's move on. Anything else you want to say about the Super Bowl, uh, the whole experience before we move on to the other sports? I mean, congratulations to Patrick Mahomes. You have your third MVP, Super Bowl MVP award. Yep. Um, even though you stunk for two thirds of that game, <laughs> yeah, you pulled it out in the end, and yeah. you're now. I guess we could say you're now part of QB Mount Rushmore. Yeah, probably right. I mean, like what? I mean, him, Tom, Peyton, and and Elway. I guess right. Probably. I did mean, Joe two Montana get kicked in, Did Joe Montana get kicked out finally? Oh yeah. <laughs> probably like Elway or Aikman. Maybe. I don't think you put Bradshaw up there now. You don't put Dan Marino up there. No, he <laughs> yeah. famously number one. <laughs> he famously never won. You're right. Anyway, uh, let's move on then to other sports. Love there were other sports. Love. What? Yeah, there were other sports news oh, this week. Oh, uh, uh, just so we had this um this thought this week with the Super Bowl ending that this upcoming Sunday will be the first time in a long time that no football is on Sunday. And it's the first time that someone also won't have any football to watch. Ah, it's fine. Because starting on the 24th, you can enjoy spring training baseball. Because there's one thing that football ending means, that it's baseball season, baby. Literally. <laughs> You're just case. blowing by both hockey and basketball that are nope. currently going on. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. No, the next <laughs> thing is baseball. Pitchers and catchers report tomorrow for spring training. The um, rest of the pitchers and catchers report, as we reported, yes, that the Dodgers right. and the uh, Padres already are already did. there. But everybody else reports tomorrow. Games start on the 24th proper, mm-hmm. after, of course, the one you mentioned last week. Um, in the meantime, power rankings have started emerging, where the experts are weighing in on who they think the teams to watch are this season. You won't be surprised by number one, because, of course... It's the Shohei Dodgers, uh, which everybody <laughs> wants to see how they go. Uh, followed by the Atlanta Braves, because of course, the Houston Trash Tros, the Texas Rangers, and the Baltimore Orioles. Hey, you put some respect on their name. Those are the World Series yes. champions, Texas Rangers. Texas Rangers. <laughs> no, that's true. It's easy At to number four. <laughs> yeah, it's easy to forget that that happened, but that absolutely did happen. Congratulations again. Um, and then yeah. the billion-dollar team of the Orioles now. Yes, exactly. I think that, yeah, this is right. This feels right to me. Obviously, I you know have personal reasons why I don't care about that Astros team. But the rest of these, um, I think this is on the money. I want so badly to see what, those, what that Dodgers team looks like, what that lineup does, what Otani um, does. How, how quickly it will implode in the playoffs. I must watch... <laughs> I must see yes. Dodger tears stream from them. Just look them up. And, uh, uh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You thought we we start because of Otani? Uh, uh. How do you like that now? Uh, <laughs> uh. And then, yeah. And then I think you're right. Uh, the, the Atlanta and Texas are interesting considering that they're recent World Series winners. Mm-hmm. And so let's see if they can keep the quality up. And then, yeah, you have the Orioles as this interesting wild card option where if they really do funnel this money that they've just earned into the talent and into developing this team into something of greatness, they could break this weird playoff curse that they've had lately and get to the big, big series this year. It could happen. Yeah. 
Take a wild guess. Who's number 30 of 30? Of course, it's our love, uh, lovely Oakland, I mean, Las Vegas, I mean, A's. <laughs> yes, no city, just A's. <laughs> <laughs> the A's of the A's, the athletics of A's, the A's of the athletics. Who knows what they will be by they the end of the season? They made zero moves this off season. I mean, of course they didn't. Well, no, they made one today. I saw they are the first team in Major League Baseball he- history to now have a female play caller on their broadcast. They did it, folks. We're here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making this up. No, it's no, 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 no. That, that's like. It's great and all, but that's their big off-season acquisition. It's a big acquisition. It's history is made. Uh, anyway. yeah. Does that just be the slogan? A's. History made here. History made here. <laughs> exactly. No one else is using that, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens. Like I said, spring training proper happens next uh, in the next couple weeks here. So, stay tuned. Baseball. It's back. Yep. Um, what else do we got in sports? Uh, in the NBA, local news here was made with the Kobe Bryant statue erected at uh, in in memory of uh, you know his time at the Lakers. So yep, this was um last Thursday on two eight, yep. uh, for sentimental reasons, of yes. course. Uh, and of all the poses they could have chosen for Kobe Bryant. They chose the one where he had his 80-point game, his 81-point game. So it's not a championship pose. It's not a um, a victory pose. It's not even a um, a uh, all-star pose. Right. No, it's it's him making the one symbol, uh, like he's in the the bloodline, of course, uh, making the one. Of him after the uh, eighty point game, eighty one point game, right? Hey, if it works, and it works. for everyone complaining about it, you can't because Kobe specifically chose the statue years ago. Like, like him and Vanessa and uh, like the entire like Bryant organization and the uh, Lakers agreed to this particular moment that encapsulated Kobe Bryant's career. That's good. 81 points in a game. I mean, yeah, it's definitely a quite a moment in his career for sure. So mm-hmm. yeah, oh, makes sense. Uh, are you going to see this anytime soon in person? Not till the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <no. laughs> All right. Fair enough. Let's move on. Uh any other sports news? You have no headlines uh besides this. So uh just checking in. How are we doing with other sports? Uh, Daytona. Daytona. I want to say is this coming weekend. Let me just confirm that. Uh, yes, the 18th, Daytona 500, the official start of NASCAR season. Yep. The Great American Race itself <laughs> will be happening on Sunday. Pick your drivers. <laughs> Also, this is now begins the this is the first race for the yeah chase for the cup technically. Right. Well, we will see what happens there. All right, let's move on. Out of sports and into television news proper, we have a story 
hot off the presses as of today from Paramount, Paramount Global, the, uh, the company that owns Paramount Plus, CBS, etc. You know, the people who just put on the Super Bowl? Yeah, the biggest Super Bowl ever, the TV-wise. Um, yeah, well, apparently not big enough because they are laying off 800 of their employees just two days after their broadcast of the Super Bowl became the most watched TV program in history at 123.7 million viewers. Paramount Global plans to reduce its global workforce by about 3% of its 24,500 full-time and part-time employees. In recent months, CEO Bob Bakish has been clear that global, the Paramount Global is shifting its focus from local originals and to its biggest global hits on film and television. Which is a confusing line because I feel like, haven't they always been doing the latter? I don't even know what they were doing the former, if that <laughs> ever was true. Um, I think that's just something that they made up to make this look better. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's just, you know, this of course fits with every other media uh, company in the landscape in the last couple months. This doesn't come as any surprise to me. Of course, you know, it's very easy to do the knee-jerk thing and be like, well, they just had the most successful, blah, blah, blah. They don't care. They don't care because the labor is the first thing to go when they're going to make cuts, and that's just what happened. They saw oh, 800 yeah. cuts they could make. And, oh, yeah. Always labor, never the pay. No. It's just, yeah, it's unfortunate that we keep having to have this conversation every single week on this show, but uh, is. This is, of course, with CBS and Paramount. Um, on the heels of last month's and technically end of last year, December's rumor yeah. of Warner Brother Discovery and Paramount Global possibly making a merger later right. this year. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen anytime soon, is my guess. Mm -hmm. That that was probably exploratory. And now that they know what their projection for 2024 is, now they can do cuts. I think that they had to make some decisions internally and then ultimately it just, they decided to do this. Well, what are you going to do? All right. Uh, I mean, not support Paramount Plus, probably. <laughs> I mean, give well, them less money. <laughs> unfortunately, Although, I already all those did commercials that. just gave them $7 million for 30 seconds. So, yeah, theoretically, probably funding them. <laughs> I was going to say, though, that doesn't all go to them, though, right? Because there's some yes. sort of, you know, there's different agreements there. I don't know. Yeah. But regardless, yeah, it's not a great look. I'll, it's, I'll tell you that much. Speaking of not a good look, let's move into, well, no, actually, speaking of a great thing to look at, uh, we already talked about the Super Bowl, so I just want to briefly mention uh, Season 3 of Avid Elementary is here. Uh, season 3 yeah. premiere happened this week, so the best uh, one of the best sitcoms on TV is back. I am happy to report that the uh, two-part season uh, premiere was excellent and just is a great reminder of how good that show still is. So, uh, hey, get excited. And if you haven't seen the first two seasons, go back and watch them because, uh, yeah, just a great show. Now, was this premiere shot after the writer's strike and after the actor's strike? Correct, yes. So that all of this stuff is, was, it was held off. They held off, up. they couldn't do any work on it prior because I believe that the end of season two had not aired yet or was airing while the strike started. And so right, they have, yeah, they weren't able to do any work on it. Okay. So uh, my understanding is yes. In fact, there is a a ref a light joke made to explain why they were late premiering their se third season. It's very it's very cute. They did a good <laughs> job on that one. But 
yeah so check it out uh seasons one and two are available on hulu if you need to catch up right but big question did you watch the post-super bowl show tracker no 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 i didn't i didn't either (laughs) cool let's move on All right, out of thoughts, we go straight into cancellations and renewals. Let's barrel to the end of this show. Well, what am I no longer watching besides Tracker? (laughs) You're no longer watching Tracker, but you're no longer watching Tacoma FD as they canceled it after four seasons on True TV. But that's okay because it's True TV and nobody was watching it anyways. Then we go into some renewals, a whole series of renewals here. The Traders, much to your happiness, gets a third season on Peacock. On the Roam... We'll get a second season on Max. That's Percy the Jason Jackson. Momoa uh, uh, on the road. Yes. Percy Jackson and the Olympians, a show we just talked about wrapping up its first season last week, will get a second season on Disney Plus and cover the second book in the series, because of course it was. Yes, because they need all that money to cover the great blue ocean in the Sea of Monsters. I guess so. Limitless with Chris Hemsworth will get a second season on Disney Plus. A Real Bugs Life which is a nature documentary about bugs, gets a mm-hmm. second season on Disney+. Plus. Goosebumps will get a second season on Disney+, Plus slash Hulu, I believe. I think that's a dual thing. Yeah. Why? I don't know. We didn't like know. it. Yeah, we Someone did, like. I guess. Winona Earp, which is a show that is still airing, gets a fifth season on Tubi? Technically, it's not a full season. It's a 90-minute special. Okay. But could turn into a new season if they split it up. Sure. ABC will be bringing back Jeopardy Masters for a second round of Masterful Play, which I'm excited for. Mm-hmm. Celebrity Family Feud will get a fourth season on ABC because game shows are cheap. And just mentioned, Abbott Elementary will get a fourth season, uh, even though it just premiered its third on ABC. And then last two we have Invasion will get a third season on Apple TV Plus and Survival of the Thickest will get a second season on Netflix. No idea what those either of those are. (laughs) All right. Yeah, Abbott Elementary had premiere and they immediately said another one. Another one. They DJ Khaled that. (laughs) All right. Let's move on to the last section of the show movies. And we always start the movie section with the weekend box office numbers. Argyle, somehow, still your number one with another $6.2 million. That's at $28 million domestic. You seem like you had an explanation for me, but then you didn't. Well, because it's the Super Bowl. No one went to those movie theaters on Sunday. That's true. Nobody went to see <laughs> a movie see this home. weekend. But if they did, they may have saw uh, number two on the list, Lisa Frankenstein, that Diablo Cody written um, uh, film. $3.6 million uh, in its debut. Pretty lousy. I would say the only new debut there was. Yeah. Number three, The Beekeeper made three point three million this week. That's at fifty four. Number four, Wonka three million dollars for that. That is at two hundred five. Five migration still here two point nine million dollars. I thought we were sure that this was going to drop off the top five three <laughs> weeks ago, and yet it's still here. And then, in case you were wondering how that re-release, a theatrical release of Turning Red did for Pixar. Way down at number 16. Only made 578k this weekend. I think it was a bad weekend to want to put this thing in theaters. 
I also think they didn't do any marketing to say they this didn't. is now in theaters. They did not tell anyone. We were the only people out here telling people that Turning Red was going to be in theaters. Hey, that means our voices generated $568,000 worth of revenue. Doubt that, but it's nice, <laughs> wishful thinking. But get out of the way, though, because two heavy hitters are in the are in the theaters this week. Let's get ready because it's time to get high. I mean, don't get high. I'm not saying to go get high and go to a movie theater unless you're in walking distance. Then absolutely get high and go see either Bob Marley, One Love, the biopic about Bob Marley, or Madam Webb, sorry to go to Johnson. Unless you're Casey Muskers, in case you already found a deeper well. Okay. <laughs> um, I am to the point where I actually actually really want to go see Madam Webb in a theater. Just because it's Dakota Johnson? Well, that's part of it. But also because it seems like <laughs> it's going to be a Morbius-style disaster that I want to be part of this time. Early it, reviews are out, yeah. and people are already trashing it. It seems terrible, but it seems like the terrible that it could be a pretty good time. So I will be trying to find someone to go see Madam Web with me this weekend. <laughs> so if you're down, let me know. All right. Um, but for those of you who are not aware, those are technically not Friday releases. No, oh, those are Valentine's, Valentine's Day, Day specials. Just me and Dakota just in a theater together. Just Double Johnsons. Better. Ugh, don't say it that way. I don't like that. <laughs> All right, let's stop talking about new releases and let's talk about some movie news. Your favorite thing to talk about, which is casting news, but yes, not in the way is. that you think. We're not talking no. about casting a movie, but we're talking about honoring the best casting in movies as the Board of Governors of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences have announced the creation of a new competitive Oscar category for Best Achievement in Casting. This will begin at the 98th annual ceremony, which will be the 2025 Oscars. This is the first two categories. Six Oscars. Right. So the, honoring the films of 2025. Correct. This is the first new category created by the Academy since 2001 with the creation of the Best Animated Feature Film category. The casting directors branch was formed in July 2013 and has nearly 160 members. Category rules for eligibility and voting for the inaugural award will be announced in April 2025 with the complete 98th Academy Awards rules. Still no discussion has been had regarding the addition of a stunts category, but it does have significant support within the Hollywood ranks. So we could see two new categories if that one gets up, um, uh, approved as well. Um... It has so much support that I wouldn't be surprised if they push it two years and make it part of the 100th celebration. Yeah. Uh, that being said, what are some of the best casted movies that you think could have won this award? I mean, yeah, it's a fun thing to think about, right? Like, I could absolutely see, um, I'm trying to think this year. Um, I mean, the first the first thought I had is is Barbie, honestly. Yeah. I think that's a really strong contender. Could have been a really good, strong contender in this. Uh, I think a lot of people bounced directly to all of the weird bit parts in Oppenheimer. Yeah. Um, like, just kind of filling out that cast with interesting people <laughs> <laughs> um, was definitely a move. But also, you could, you don't have to necessarily think about it as a stunt casting award. You could also think about it, oh, let's award newcomers. I think the guy who plays the student in The Holdovers, I think, makes an argument right there for a debut performance, right? It, you could read this category in all sorts mm -hmm. of different ways, which is interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, you could have like a category like or a film like May December yeah. win here for casting because yeah. as you keep um, <laughs> parading around, Charles yeah. Melton was perfect for that role. Yeah, yeah, it's the reason why that movie works. And so, yeah, it's a fascinating category to think about, and it plays into what you believe is one of the like the biggest. Uh, like things that could change a, an Oscar ceremony, which is how actors vote. This is directly mm-hmm. a category that actors would know something about, and they could t- change the tide, like the t- like the tide of this award, very easily. I'd like the first award to just automatically go to Sarah Haley Finn, because she's the one who did all the casting for all the Marvel films. Uh, just automatically write her in there. Just yes, you did such a good job with all the Marvel stuff. We want to give you this specific <laughs> award for the first time, and then go world. from there. Yeah. Well, we'll see. But uh, that's yeah. just my like Your dream casting. dream casting there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> casting for the casting award. Yes. Anyway. Otherwise, um, like past best picture winners or. Best Picture nominees that could have won this award would be like Social Network, yeah, Brokeback Mountain, yeah, um, Dark Knight, even probably, maybe, maybe, uh, not a Best Picture winner, but sure, no, not Best Picture winner, but <laughs> I mean, the casting of it with Heath Ledger as the Joker, yeah, it's interesting to think about, and uh, yeah, it'll be exciting when they properly add it in just a couple of years here. In the meantime, speaking of Oscars, we're still doing our 2023 cleanup, and uh, you cleaned up a couple of films that were on your list. Uh, Let's talk first about the one I've already seen. What was your take on Past Lives? Uh, You watched this. I felt seen. (laughs) Right? I felt like someone said, hey, you've had these thoughts. Yeah. Hey. You probably had these experiences mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of like someone moving away and you're like, oh, I'll reconnect with them with social media. And like, right. wait, is this a thing that's in my head or is it a thing <laughs> that's actually going to happen? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. yeah, it felt a little too surreal at times for me. Yeah. Um, considering that some of the stuff like did happen in my life of like reconnecting, like especially mm-hmm. after moving. Yeah, I wish the cinematography was better. In the very mm. like opening, I felt like there was some clear cinematography choices, but because your two main characters are separated for the majority of the movie, especially in Act Two, which is really lengthy, that your two main characters are really only together in Act One and Act Three. Yeah, and even then, it felt like the cinematography could have had more of like a barrier. Uh, mm. shown it could have been a bit more colorful in showing the contrast between the two paths that they took i thought it's interesting that they don't do that i think that i feel like what you're describing is a very literal metaphor for what the storytelling is doing mm-hmm. i think the way that they the things that they actually do with the cinematography in the film which is a lot of imagery through windows a lot of reflections a lot of like mirrored images whether it's physical mirrors or puddles mm-hmm. Um, I think that you see, oh, I think that that is the story that she's, that they're, they're trying to tell. I think that if you made it more, what you're saying, very like these parallel worlds, that I think is a different story than what they're trying to say. I think they're trying to say is there's almost a blurriness between the two worlds, even though they were separated. 
there's kind of this way where like they, they 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 there was a piece of each of them that stayed with the two characters and so i read it as the metaphor is not two different worlds the metaphor is there's overlap and there always was and the end of the movie is them figuring out oh no actually we've never really been separated we have always meant this much to each other and there will always be this attachment between us no matter what we do yeah but then i think the films like parasite that did win best <laughs> picture and all the lines uh, and talked to me that was a part of that i was like that's a great movie that's what i wanted <laughs> to see here not necessarily in terms of like lines and dissecting but more like a pronounced cinematography look into it I don't know. I found that. I think what you're describing, I saw, like I said, yeah. in those shots, especially a lot of those where where it's the juxtaposition of of the character looking through out to like a cityscape. And then you kind of see his reflection in there, but also a little bit of the cityscape reflected. And I think that is, to me, really poignant. And that recurring theme did what you're describing, for me at least. I saw meaning there. I saw like that thought process of that character being like con like confused maybe a little conflicted about the feelings about like the past and the future slamming against each other and being trapped in the past while the future is literally right there in front of him and he's not taking advantage of it see i saw that as a different viewpoint of him forever stuck in the well, past that he wasn't yeah. able to move forward in it that's literally that what i just said <laughs> Well, no, not, not like viewing for it, but that it for me it was the um, if this was a U.S. metaphor, mm -hmm. it's the small town romance, small town like boy meets girl, like kid romance, and then the girl goes to the big city, mm -hmm. and they reconnect, but he still has his homegrown roots, yeah. and she's like big city, big thinking. Mm -hmm big living well doesn't connect as well, well i mean yes there's an element of that and i think that's what the story does best in my opinion like that's why i think the movie works so well is it takes all of these different things and kind of combines them they're all little bits and pieces that all can be true i think you can absolutely read the film as a as a metaphor for like move that that difference between like a childhood romance as opposed to adult romance and being a small town, big town kind of difference. You can absolutely read that, but you could also read in a very literal way. Like you were talking about, oh, I've been through these exact scenarios before. This is something I literally done. You can also read it that way. You can also read it as just like a, like a, a, like a story about how all relationships are more similar than we even think they are. They all have pieces of us, no matter what shape they take, whether they're friendships, whether they're getting married with someone, whether you pass somebody on a train. Like, I think that there's many, the different lenses you can view the story through is one of the reasons why it works so well, why it feels universal when it's so intimate. So I think all of these readings are valid, which is the great thing about art criticism is that all these readings can't be valid and everybody can come out of the movie being like, I resonated with that. They can all be true. Yeah. Yes, but then yeah. there's the actual literal representation of when they break <laughs> down what it means to have a past life, like yeah, uh, in, in the um, Korean sense of the word where you right. brush up against someone, maybe you have a past life with them, like you bump into someone, like you talk to someone, you interact with someone, like they're all part of your past life. And here's someone from a literal past life 
doing his damnedest to try and claw back into hers and right. ultimately failing. Um, but I, I don't see sorry, it as spoilers ultimately failing. Oh, that's the thing is that's an interesting read because I didn't see it as failing because the, I think the reason why you have that kind of that character arc with the husband character is because it's supposed to remind you, no, he didn't fail. He got his closure that he wanted in a lot of ways. They both got the closure that they wanted and the husband is there to kind of connect that last piece by reaching out to him and being like, hey, I'm glad you did this. Like this must basically the subtext of that sentence is this must have been really hard for you to do. And I understand that now, now that I've spent some time with you as a person and considered your humanity. I now understand that you're not just this obstacle, you're a human being who had a connection with my wife. And I'm happy that you got to have this kind of full circle moment. So I don't see that as a failure at all. Yeah, but is that, that a full circle moment? Because, like, according to the the film, they'll just meet up again in twelve years. But that's what I'm that's saying. That's the trajectory. Though. That's what I'm saying, though. But I think you're you're supposed to read it as, or not supposed to read it, but the way I read it as was, this is the key that um his getting some sort of closure here is the key that unlocks his ability to go back to his sort of quasi girlfriend and try to make Beyonce. an actual yeah, and try to make an actual version of his possible love a love that he can actually gain happen because i think it gets him out of that past that we were talking about being stuck in and it allows him leave this as just a thing that happened instead of a be all end all if this doesn't work out there's nothing left for me that's how i read it is there's a hope to the end of the movie well see i read it as he's not going to go back to her because he's now no. seen that no, I'm. She, he, he's not going to go back to the married. Yeah, no, like the main character of the film. I'm saying no, no, that, no, no, no. He's not going to go back to the um, fiance either. Well, they weren't fiancés, right? They were just they were just boyfriend girlfriend, and they were on a break. I, I felt like like he was going to propose. I think he was going to, but I think he had talked himself they, out of it. Yeah, he, no, because no, he wasn't he was, good no, enough. Yes, because of the Korean culture of like right. him not having a stable job, him not moving out of his parents yet. Right, and but they, what I'm like, saying being able to provide. Yeah. I'm just saying the way I read it is that he seems like I read that as now he knows this portion of his life is over and he can leave it. He can reassess the situation he's in back home and tackle that in a different way. Well, see, I took it as her once again getting the best of him as from the beginning of the film. Uh, and taking that be like, oh, I really never became the better part of me so i need to go do that now yeah that's can be part of it too her yeah without everyone just him exploring right. like the world now yeah no i think that, that that could also that could absolutely be part of that is like just be able to reclaim his like use this as a lesson to figure out what he could be doing with his life but yeah anyway yeah, into the weeds on past lives again for the second <laughs> week in row. That's just how good of a movie it is. That's the thing is that this, it makes this kind of conversations happen. Yeah, but not the only film. No, was watched this week. All right, tell me about Anatomy of a Fall. Tell me about that fall. So it's not the fall of the season, but like an actual literal fall from yes. Grace, I guess, or a literal literal fall. Oh, a literal death fall. Yes. yes, Anatomy of a Fall is a. French movie that was not the French nominee for International Best Picture. <laughs> Technically, it got second, which is why you don't see it in the international category, but you do still see it here under Best Picture nominee. 
that being said, for current discourse online, I've seen um, state of or zone of interest is still going to be better than this film. So I haven't got to that <laughs> yet because it's still in theaters. But yeah. Anatomy of the Fall, very French. <laughs> they speak French throughout it. Lots of subtitles. But they also speak English, so no subtitles. And they kind of use that language barrier as a medium ground to establish these characters. It's told after the incident happened, the exciting incident <laughs> of the dad dying from a fall, or at least they claim it was a fall. Was it a push? Was it a malicious attack? We, as the audience, don't know. And we're piecing together through the lens of the lawyer for Sandra Huller, who is fantastic in this <laughs> thing. Uh, if it wasn't for Lily Gladstone, she would win hands down in this thing uh she portrays such a good well poised character and that she's both in this and in zone of interest just shows her range and i expect to see her in this category of best actress again i'm just sorry that you're going against like an iconic performance yeah uh, it just sucks to that that's just what happens i'm sorry right. you just got a leo <laughs> yeah. it happens sometimes it happens sometimes but she is fantastic in anatomy of a fall watch it just for her performance alone as she navigates both the litigation and the public opinion on what happened uh because it's never shown what exactly happens you mm. only inference and piece together right the court does give its um its ruling by the end of the film so you're not left with this ambiguous did it happen did it not happen although you kind of are but also aren't in the court of public opinion you are but mm. in the actual court they give a final definitive ruling so it's right. kind of up to you to be like well all the facts were there everything's laid out before you and you can go with the court ruling or you cannot go with the court ruling you can go with okay was what she told like the truth or was it fabricated because it sets up that she is a writer. And in the very opening, she says uh, during an interview that when you tell a story of fiction, you have to take some elements of truth from your own life. Otherwise, mm. people won't believe it. Mm. And that is where the story starts. Mm. And so for the whole film, you're left wondering, is this just straight up truth or is this woven with fiction into it okay. and so it's got this mysterious element of it and the lies of this family sort of become exposed from this court setting mm -hmm. yeah so it's almost like kind of like almost a little bit of a, a um what's the term um i forget but but yeah the discovery like no uh never mind uh but yeah no that sounds like really interesting way to tackle something like this because mm -hmm. you could have a very straightforward version of this but i like how you're saying that it plays around with the truth of it and it does make you second second guess almost like whether what you what's being told to you is actually the full story and the fact that you don't really get closure in that is actually really interesting well there's also the third character main character which is the kid uh yeah. their son their blind son who acts as a surrogate for the audience because he right. also 
didn't see. see what happened and is trying to piece together through the court testimony as well. Okay. So you're, mm. as the audience, are kind of seeing this play out through his lens as well. Yeah. Of who do you believe? Do you believe your mom or do you believe what the court is trying to tell you? And do you believe public opinion? Do you are you trying to like piece together on your own as well? Of did my mom really like push my dad out a, a window? <laughs> right. Hmm. Okay. So uh what do you think his Oscar chances are? I really liked it. Like I said, I think uh <laughs> this should have should have been nominated for uh best foreign film. But because France did not submit it mm -hmm. as their foreign international film, it cannot be nominated under that category, which right. my zone of interest will win. I still need to see zone of interest because, as I said, I've looked at other people's thoughts on this because I was like glowing about it. And people are saying like, yeah, this is zone of interest. Really, really good. Really, really solid films. Because I'm looking up Sandra Huller. Like, <laughs> just, I went straight down that rabbit hole. And yeah. such a good actress in this thing. Uh, but yeah, uh, my caveat of people warning going into this, it is French. You will yeah. read subtitles. Even though the, tra the trailer just shows everyone speaking English, that is not the whole case. Then when they get into the French, into the, to the trial, the judge makes it clear you need to speak French in this, <laughs> in this court setting. So the entire court uh, documentation up until the, the closing arguments are done in French. Just... Mm -hmm. Putting that out there, putting that warning out there. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll, I'll be on the lookout for that once it becomes, um, like, once it goes to streaming. I'm not sure if it's going to it's, or it's where. It's part of Neon, so it will be part of the Hulu deal. It's okay. said it's supposed Eventually. to come in February, mm -hmm. but I also couldn't Locked find <laughs> any exact date right. of it. Because it wasn't part of the uh, February lineup for Hulu with, that they put out ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So unsure when or where this will actually like head to streaming all right cool but i also saw um max in the fall though okay 2024 well, matter of time so maybe sometime soon maybe sometime later we'll find out yep. uh, i do know one thing that will be on streaming this week though that i'm just planning on checking out uh oppenheimer finally right like that's this, yes. this week that is this friday the 16th so you can I have may, your own Barbenheimer double feature. Yeah, I, I may tackle that before we record next. Oh, uh, actually, maybe not. It depends on when we record next, which we'll talk about briefly after the show. Uh, but yeah, yep. so thank that's it though for movies. Uh, that's what we watched this week, which means yep. that's it for the movie section, and that means that's it for the Media Boat podcast this week. So real quickly, out of the best picture nominees we've mm -hmm. had, yes. Uh, wait. No, this is less last, last year's. I need this year's. <laughs> We've seen, I want to say, six of these. Okay. Night of the Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives. Yeah, in 57. The only ones we haven't seen so far, I talked about, are American Fiction, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. All right. of which are still in theaters right That's now. That's why. <laughs> well, we'll uh, keep you all updated if that changes. And if we are able to do it, do the fight, like finally do it for the first time in media book podcast history and watch all of them. <laughs> maybe. 
Uh, but in the meantime, thank you for joining us for our show today. We'll be back next week for another show. Like I said, Date TBD. Keep an eye out for our social media, and maybe we'll post on that when we will be live. But in the meantime, you can find us on YouTube in video form if you search YouTube for Media Boat Podcast. Uh, don't get us confused with Media Boat Events. That's a different channel. Anyway, I found that out. Um, and then also find us on me um, as Media Boat Podcast on podcast services of your choice. So if you go to Apple Podcasts, if you go to Amazon, if you go to iHeartRadio, if you go to any of those places, Media Boat Podcast, search that and you can find our archive of shows on audio services. You can also find us on social media, like I mentioned, we're on X slash old Twitter at Media Boat Cast. We're also now on Blue Sky. So if you're in the Blue Sky, um, you can find us at mediaboat.bsky.social. So just search Media Boat and you'll find us, trust me. You can also find us on twitch.tv slash mediaboat. We'll be, be playing some video games. Uh, watch this space for more details about what games we'll be playing soon. You can also find us on uh, Facebook, I guess, if you search Media Boat Podcast. Um, and then mediaboatpodcast.com is our website where we have an archive of our shows as well as some special things like my weekly playlist and also um, where you can find some videos that we'll be putting up. And that will do it. And you, oh yeah, you can email us at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com if you have questions, comments, feedback about the show, anything you want to have us uh, tackle. We will read your questions live. So check that out. Now we will bid you adieu until next week. Hopefully we'll have less to talk about. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> Probably not. We'll be back <laughs> next time with more news, yes. more thoughts, and more of us. All right. See you then. Okay. Bye. Bye. Yeah.